beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I hope that you are ready for the emotional whiplash of this episode where I am chatting with my friend Nish Wyseth about a topic that has long interested me, infuriated me, and now sheepishly become so relevant to me and maybe to you, I'm guessing to you, and that is, should we be posting our kids on social media? Now, I have long held a certain opinion on this topic. You'll hear me discuss this in the episode, but I've always felt very strongly that I want women to be able to share about their motherhood experiences online. I think that the internet specifically has been really great for parenthood in this way, even with the privacy concerns around the kids. But now... Am I about to eat my words on this topic as my kids get older? I am only just now starting to really understand what it means to have to tread lightly 
in the parenthood space online, especially on social media. So I've been thinking a lot about social media in general for lots of reasons. One reason is that I've been trying to break my phone addiction. I've talked about this on the show already. I've also talked about it unironically online. Social media is by far my biggest time suck on my phone. So I've just been paying attention to my habits there. And at the same time, I've been trying to grow this show by using social media. And I've been thinking about book promotion for next year. And just on top of regular life, like the political climate in the U.S. that is making everyone feel a certain way about being online. Anyway, all of these things together have been adding up to lots and lots of thoughts around social media use. And then a few weeks ago, my friend Nish posted on Instagram that her kids, who are the same age as my kids, about, they had asked her not to post their photos. And it had started a whole conversation in their family and then also within herself about the motivations in posting online at all, which I just found very, very interesting. And I reached out to her to see if she wanted to talk it through as friends, but publicly. (laughs) So the first half of the episode is about posting our kids online and sort of our various thoughts on that. And then we also turn and go a bit deeper, a lot more vulnerable about our true motivations for being on social media. And it's just, it's not always pretty and wrapped up in a bow. So this is an actual conversation between friends. I gave Nish a rough outline of what I wanted to talk about, but this is not produced or scripted or anything, nor do we cut to any set conclusions. We just talk about it. We don't have the same approach to it. We don't change one another's minds. We just chat. And that's what I want you to do with this prompt. Without shame or judgment or anything, I want you to reach out to friends or to your co-parent or to your sister, to whoever might be thinking about this as well or who might need to think about it and talk it through. This type of conversation It might be messy. It might be meandering all over the place. That is okay. Someone might get defensive. Someone might get up on their high horse. I have found that people bring a lot of feelings to their opinions on the internet and how we use the internet, moral issues on the internet. It can just bring up our stuff, but it's ultra relevant. I hope that you take something from this conversation between friends, and that it sparks something in your own conversations. If you are not familiar with my friend Nish Wyseth, well, I want you to be. Nish is a spiritual director. She's a published author, a nonprofit founder. She's a former political columnist for Cosmo. Among other things, Nish is a woman of all trades. She is such a bridge builder. I will put links in the show notes for all the places you can find her because her work is so fascinating. She is a thoughtful friend. She's so smart. If you followed me for a while, you might remember Nish from episode 10 of the religion series of my old podcast called Smartest Person in the Room. That episode is titled Mormons versus Evangelicals. Can Women Bridge the Divide? 
It's a really, really great old episode on that good topic. You can usually find Nish enjoying the outdoors or with her nose in a good book. She and her husband, Eric, live in the mountains of central Idaho with their two children, Rowan and Scout. So now in this episode that is sponsored by Skillshare and Ritual Vitamins, both companies with special offers for the listeners today, I give you my conversation with Nish Wyseth about why we post online. Okay, Nish, I'm super glad that you're here with me to talk about this very important topic of mothers and social media. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Happy to lend my expertise. (laughs) Because we are both mothers and we are both on social media. Indeed. (laughs) That's what makes us experts here. But truly, what I wanted to talk about was um, a post you put on Instagram in December about sharing less of your kids online and a conversation that you had had with your kids about social media and sharing your family online. And the reason that it piqued my interest especially is not just because we are dear friends, but also because we have kids that are really the same age, roughly the same age. And Mm -hmm. so we have gone through a lot of these stages together, like having babies on the internet versus having big kids on the internet. And when I had babies and I saw the women who were further down the motherhood road having this same conversation that we're having right now, I would get really irritated because I thought, well, if everyone gets to their kids turning 10 or 12 or whatever it is, and starts to fade out, what are we supposed to do? (laughs) Like, I I was like, really bothered by that. And I just didn't fully understand it. I mean, I thought I did. But you know, you don't really understand something until you're in it. Well, now here we are, our kids are 10. And we're having like, well, shoot, should we post less about our children? And so you posted this thing (laughs) on Instagram. I'm just going to read a little part of it, and I'll link to it in the show notes so that you guys can go read the whole thing because it's really, really good. But I'm just going to read back your own words to you because that's not awkward or anything. (laughs) Truth be told, I've struggled with how to do social media lately. To start, my desire for a quieter, more private life, both external and internal, has only grown over the last year. How does social media fit into that desire? I haven't figured it out. I've lived and shared a lot of my life online, from the mommy blog boom to publishing a book to social media platform to writing for national publications. A lot of my life, opinions, and more are out there for the world to see. And so much of what I'm able to do now is because of those choices over the years. I know that. But I desire to move away from those past choices and share less for public consumption. How does one move from one end of the pendulum to the other? So I definitely want to talk about that. And then you go on to talk about the the kid aspect of it. And I know it's all a little bit entangled. Why don't you just tell everyone some of your story so we have this in context, even though I just want to point out for the listener that you don't have to be a public person to be having this conversation about mm-hmm. how much you're sharing online even if you have all of your profiles set to private and you're only sharing for your friends and family, it is still something I know we all think about and we worry about and we sort of like can get in our head about. So Nish and I are talking a little bit from a public perspective because that's who we are and what we do. But really, this is just relevant to so many of us. But Nish, 
share with us your story a little bit about, you know, working online and and how you got to where you are like right now. Sure. I started being online in a public way about 11 years ago when I was pregnant with my first child, Rowan, who's the same age as your oldest. And that was around the time of what we call like the mommy blog boom. It was when everyone was writing and posting about motherhood. And this was really before a lot of like brand partnerships and people making like a ton of money (laughs) on blogging, which was absolutely a thing. I mean, this was just women writing about being moms. And it was a really incredible time to be writing on the internet, frankly. It was deeply personal. We found a lot of connection with one another as parents and as moms in the comment sections on each other's blogs. That's how we found a lot of our mutual friends. And so I started writing online as a mom, as a mother. That was what I was writing about. And that's what I was posting about and sharing about and sharing pictures about. This was before Instagram, too. (laughs) It was just mom blogs. So the landscape has changed a ton. I started writing because right after Roan was born was really when things started to take off. I had had the blog beforehand, but after Roan was born was really when I started to invest in online writing was because after Roan was born, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. And talking with my therapist, she's like, you got to have an outlet, right? Like you got to have some place that you can invest in or something to do that helps take up your time, that helps you be creative, that's essentially an outlet for you. And for me, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, writing writing online. It was having this blog at that point called The Outdoor Wife. That was, <laughs> surprisingly, not much has changed. But um, that is still my life. But I started writing about that. I started writing about what it meant to be a mom and living this kind of outdoor adventurous lifestyle and having kids. And But then I started getting real about maternal mental health and talking about postpartum depression. And that led to more um, significant topics, I guess, than just kind of everyday mundane motherhood, which now that I said that out loud, that sounds kind of weird to say, because I think everyday mundane motherhood is just as important and significant as any other topic that we talk about. But I found myself wanting to address deeper issues that were in our culture, that were particularly within like the Christian tradition, which is where I come from, talking about things that were happening in the church. And so then I started dabbling in that writing. And then from there, it just kind of took off. From there, I started a different blog that had a lot of different writers. At one point, I managed like 52 different writers that contributed to this big group blog. And so my writing online started 10 years ago, and it got progressively more intense. I started sharing progressively more and more. And then, of course, the advent of social media and how social media played into sharing content only intensified it, I think. And having done it for 10 years, going from just sharing about being a new mom to then writing for national publications like Cosmopolitan talking about healthcare policy. <laughs> like my 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 writing career has taken quite a interesting turn over the course of 10 years, but all of it has been very public. I found myself in my town in relationships about people asking me about things that I had written online and said online. And people asking me about my kids and people asking me 
what was happening with my kids and people who would recognize me out and about at an Indian restaurant because they recognized my daughter Scout from Instagram. And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me of realizing like, oh, I have lived a lot of my life in public. Now, granted, I don't have a massive platform. Like, let's be clear. I'm not, I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers or even in the millions, like not even close. It's just public enough. And it forced me to ask some questions about what I post online and also why I post online, particularly around my kids. Did I necessarily want to walk down the street in a pretty metropolitan city? We lived in Salt Lake City at the time and have someone go, are you Nish Weisa? I recognize your daughter from Instagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I want this life. I don't know that I want. And not only that, not only do I not know if I want this life, do I want my kids to have this life? Have I made choices for them about the life that they're going to live simply based on something that we thought for so long was as innocuous as social media. And so it just, it, it brought up a lot of questions and has brought up a lot of internal processing about my own motivations, about protecting my kids and realizing that they're going to have their own story to tell. And how much of that story have I already, I mean, co-opted seems like a strong word, but it's kind of how I feel. But how much of that, how much of that narrative have I al- already written for them that they're going to have to try to unwrite or undo? Which sounds like silly questions when they're so young, right? Like they're 10 and seven. But it's a question nonetheless that I think we have to wrestle with, especially as our kids now, like they're 10 and seven, and they know what Facebook is. They know what Instagram is. They understand what those things are. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just forced me to really think about that and go like, why am I doing this? What is the cost? What do you mean about a narrative that you've written for them that they might have to undo? This is where I snag a little bit because Mm. are you saying, I mean, you weren't being deceitful when you posted about your kids or your family life. Like you were, Mm -mm. you were showing it as a fair representation of what it was. So why do you feel like they would need to, be counter to that possibly in the future. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that the nature of social media because is an answer to that, right? Because we're, I'm showing snippets of let's use scout as an example. Like I, because I don't really post much about Rowan online because he hates getting his picture taken number one, but also he's asked me not to, but scout for one, like let's use scout in his example. Like, She's hilarious. She's funny. She's wicked smart. Like she's witty. She's wonderful. She's just this little pixie, amazing child. But social media, the nature of it is I've shown the world these snippets of who she is and just these little snapshots that over time create this string of who she is to the outside world that people then perceive her to be. It's not that she's not those things, but she is also so many other things, right? Like she's just this little human like we are. And so that's the question that I that I wrestle with. Through all of these little individual moments that you share online about your kids, what picture have you inadvertently and with the most wonderful of intentions still painted about who they are as people? And it's not that it's necessarily negative. Like, I hope that I always paint my kids in a positive and wonderful light because that's who they are and they're amazing and they have their own issues and they're not perfect. But 
I hope that what I share about them to the world is inherently positive. But it, it was it was just a question that I had to ask myself of what's the picture I've painted of them? Is there something that they would want to have to go back and undo or give context to or answer for or whatever the case may be? It just it just prompted that question. Um, yeah, I mean, I hear you. And also yeah. because because most of us are sharing generally positive things, like you said, mm-hmm. even in the positivity, if a child is to grow up and then later be like, yeah, it wasn't all sparkles and rainbows, you know, and then want to sort of like say, it's not that anything that was posted was wrong necessarily. It was just this whole other thing was happening behind the scenes. And I don't mean your family. I just mean generally. Mm-hmm. And this is like an outlandish example. But what if Tara Westover, who wrote the book Educated, what if her essential oil selling mom had been like posting all these wonderful things about their amazing family? And then you, ha- but then this other stuff was happening behind the scenes. And, you know, I mean, like if you sort of look in the context of, you know, a family like that, for example. And, mm-hmm. and, but another thing is, and again, that this is complicated. But I also get like sort of my backup over women saying, this is their story. This is the kid's story. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like it minimizes the mom's story. And that we are like ingrained to sacrifice everything all the time, including Mm -hmm. our own story. Mm -hmm. Like. To me, it seems like a lot of times the more honorable, quote unquote, position is to protect your kid's privacy, that that is more important than you sharing your story. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say I, I don't want kids to have privacy. I do think people <laughs> people are entitled to to privacy, and especially when they're at a, 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 when they can't choose when they're children. And also, I want women to be able to share their stories and how hard it is or even how joyous it is. It doesn't matter that they can just be like, this is motherhood for me. Well, Mm -hmm. it's impossible to talk about your motherhood without talking, at least indirectly, about your children. Mm -hmm. And so then if you have a whole wave of women, and now this has happened, you know, every year there's a new wave of women who take a step back because their children get to a certain age and they have to... They have to tap out. And it's not that I'm not understanding it. It's just like, it's hard to watch. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. 
Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, com and use code U Y O U. And then the other thing I want to say, and listener, I understand this is a disjointed conversation, but we're just, <laughs> we're just talking. This is friends talking. This is how I talk in real life. In case everyone wants to know, it's true. The, it's true. The other thing that I want to say is I follow a bunch of women. I mean, I can just rattle off women that I have followed for probably nearly 10 years. Same. And I love them showing their family. I see them. I love their kids. I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm invested. Like if they stopped posting, I wouldn't like cry or anything. But like I genuinely enjoy it. I enjoy their postings. I enjoy seeing their kids grow up. I enjoy their motherhood musings. Like I just like it. And so when I sort of see a lot of people, because a lot of these women I'm talking about have hundreds of thousands of followers. They have a lot of people who are watching their family, so to speak. And we want other people to do it. But then for me to say, like, but I'm not going to show mine. Like, my kids deserve privacy. <laughs> but your kids, <laughs> I love seeing your kids. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like, it's sticky. You know what I mean? It's super, super messy. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, like, man, I mean, those early years of, like, mom blogging and reading other moms' experiences of – the difficulties and frankly, the horrors <laughs> of having really little kids and also the joys and the victories like that carried me. It was so meaningful and it was so life changing to look out at this landscape of women writing honestly about being moms and to feel less alone during a season that is inherently very isolating. It is, it was profound. It is still profound. It has shaped me. It has shaped in some ways how I parent and how I mother. It has shaped how my marriage operates within the context of parenting because of other moms that I have read who bravely shared about their marriage stuff and parenting. Like the list could go on and on and on and on and on. And also this is maybe less serious, but it's also really fun. Like I have, like what you were saying, I have loved following these moms and like, I'll be honest, I am invested. Like, oh my gosh, that mom who was writing about her kid, her kid just got accepted to Harvard or like, like it was a huge victory. And you're like, I've been following this family for so long and have learned so much and have gained so much from them sharing. There's just this sense of camaraderie around being a mom and sharing about it on social media, which is, and it's beautiful. And it's, it's one of the things that I love so much about social media. I mean, you and I would not have met had it not been for social media and those times, right? Like we would not be as close and as good friends without it. And so there are wonderful, amazing, profound things that have come from moms sharing their lives. I think what we're seeing now is 
Well, there's there's multiple aspects. I think that we're kind of wrestling with the role of social media in our broader culture. Number one, what's its role around everything from politics to parenting to, I mean, you name it. We're all kind of talking about it, right? Like what's the role of social media in our broader culture, number one. And number two, I think we're seeing like what you mentioned, women who have shared for a really, really long time starting to like swing to the other extreme and totally pull back. Some maybe out of necessity, some maybe out of an inherent deep desire to want to just be private after being public for so long. That's kind of how I feel. But also like, I, I don't think we've really seen many people, at least yet, kind of openly walk through the transition of being really, really open and talking about motherhood and talking about their kids candidly to starting to pull back in a way that protects their kids, but still talks about motherhood. There's not a ton of examples of women who are still doing that. And so I think we're all kind of left in this vacuum, this like empty space of not knowing what's the happy medium, right? Like what you were saying, like, I would love to still talk about the ways in which motherhood is profoundly shaping me, right? Like I have a kid that's 10 who's autistic and I have a seven-year-old and those things, even though they're older, they're not babies anymore. These kids are still shaping me into the person that I'm slowly becoming, right? I would love to talk about that and talk candidly about that in a way that still honors their privacy. It's, it's, it's It's a push and pull. And I think we're trying to figure out the happy medium. How do we do that well? And how do we do that in a way that, yes, does honor our kids' privacy, who are asking for it. Like, that's the other thing. It's not so much like, oh, I want to protect my kids and their privacy. Like my kids have asked me to not post about them on social media. And so for me, me, I'm like, oh, I got to figure out a way. If I do talk about motherhood, how do I do that in a way that respects them not wanting me to post about them or post pictures or whatever the case may be, and yet still be candid and honest about my own experience? I think it's just this, like what you were saying, it's just sticky. It's a weird in-between place that we're all kind of trying to stumble our way through. Tell me more about how they asked you to not talk about them or post about them Mm -hmm. on social media, because I haven't really had that conversation with my kids. Well, first of all, I didn't give them a lot of option. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fair. (laughs) I mean, I'm being honest. Like, I'm starting to now. I'm only just now starting to give them the option. My kids are 10 and 8. But... The few times that I have said, may I post this? And that's typically when it's just a picture of them alone. When I'm posting a family photo, I don't really give them the option. Like I usually am like, this is our family. I don't ask Jeff for permission. I don't, we, I post our family. <laughs> sure. So, but uh, there have been a few times where I've asked the kids individually if it was just a picture of just them, if I could post it. And they're almost confused in what I'm asking, not They're not confused Mm -hmm. in how it works, but I guess we haven't had maybe a bigger picture conversation of like Mm -hmm. why they might say no. So they're all like every time they're sort of like, but sure, tell your friends, show your friends or show strangers. Like they don't have a lot of energy around it, but Mm -hmm. also because I haven't explained maybe. And so I just want to hear how you. How that happened. Yes. Yeah. So I took a photo of my daughter Scout, who is now seven, who is incredibly photogenic and just darling. (laughs) She's just the cutest kid. Gosh, I love her. And I took this photo of her and it was really, really cute. And she stopped and she looks at me and she goes, are you going to post that on Facebook? And I was like, I'm sorry, what did you just say with your mouth? 
(laughs) And if you know me, that's how I talk to my kids. And she was like, are you going to post that on Facebook? And I'm like, excuse me, how do you know what Facebook is? And she was like, it's where all the grownups go on the computer to talk to each other. And I was like, that, yeah, yes, yes, that is kind of what it is. And she's like, and you guys post pictures and you can buy stuff and you talk about the news. And I was like, I was just kind of sat there stunned that my daughter had this really basic understanding of what Facebook was. And I was like, well, I mean, I was thinking about it. Why do you ask? And she's like, well, can I see the picture? I'm like, sure. And so I showed her the picture and she was like, I don't want you to post it. I'm like, you don't want me to share it? And she's like, no. She's like, you can send it to Katie, who is, you know, our our friend here in town. And she has a daughter the same age. She's like, you can you can send it to Katie so that she can show Jada, which is, you know, her 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 little friend. And I was like, huh, okay, that's totally fine. And I just had this like instant where I just asked her, I'm like, do you want me to ask you before I post? Would you like to see the pictures first? And she's like, Yeah, I would like you to ask me first. And I'm like, okay, that's totally fine. And I asked her, I'm like, do you know what Instagram is? Just just, out of sheer curiosity, I wanted to know how deep my kid's knowledge of of social media went. And she was like, yeah, I know what Instagram is. And I was like, oh, what is it? And she was like, it's kind of like Facebook, except it's just pictures. And I'm like, yep. (laughs) Just kind of like. Where is she learning it? She and she's like, well, I learned about it at school. Other kids talk about their moms and dads on Facebook. Maybe that's the Mm -hmm. thing. We don't talk about it in our house. Jeff's not on social media and I, Mm -hmm. I'd never talk about it. Yeah. And I haven't really talked about it at length either. I mean, er every now and then Eric and I, Eric's my husband, we'll have conversations about something that we saw on, you know, Facebook or Twitter has to do with the news, like whatever. We have kind of general conversations, but we don't go at like in-depth conversations about something that someone said on Facebook because no one cares. But Living in a really small town, we live in a town of about 3,000, so it's a really tiny town. If you want to know what's happening in town, you you have to be on Facebook. Everyone posts events, and that's how you know what's happening in different spots. And so town is very active on Facebook, and so everyone kind of talks about it. Like, oh, I saw it on Facebook. Are you going to that thing? It was posted on Facebook. And so kids are naturally hearing what that is all the time just because that's how the social construct of our town kind of operates. So I think she understood the basics of what it was from peers, from hearing parents talk about it. It's just kind of part of our our culture in our in our in our small town. And my son was in the room when I had the conversation with Scout about social media, and I asked Rowan, who is autistic, has some disabilities. He takes a long time to process information, and so I kind of asked him some some different questions that were appropriate for him. And he said the same thing. I mean, he doesn't like getting his picture taken anyway. So it's hard to snap one of him anyway. So, but I asked him, I'm like, do you want me to share pictures of you in a, in a way that he understood? And he was like, no, mommy, I don't want you to. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And so it ended up starting a really almost like a week long conversation with my kids. Cause then Scout brought it up a couple days later in the car. And she asked me, she's like, why are you on Facebook? Why do you show other people that you don't know what we look like and asked about strangers. And like, it was, it was just a really good, meaningful week of chatting with them about what it was, number one, why it's important and why people do it, number two. But then also 
as kids do, man, they force you to ask really hard questions about yourself. And it prompted kind of some some internal questions within myself of like, why do I do why do I still do this? Like, why? Why am I still engaged in this when the internal process for me has slowly over the course of a year to wanting to kind of just become more private after 10 years of like we talked about being um, online. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of how that happened, which was really fascinating. So you told me the part on Voxer. We were talking about this before we recorded. And you told me that Scout had asked you these questions about why. Why do you do this? Why do you want people to see this or whatever? And that it really made you reflect on why do I? And so then I started naturally (laughs) over the last 48 hours. I've been really thinking about why do I do this? And so I... I came to a little bit of an answer for myself, but I want to hear like, what did you come to when you were like, not not necessarily what you told her, because I know what we say to our kids is is couched in a lot of other whatever. Mm-hmm. But what did you say to yourself? Like, what was what was your why? My why, I I came to the conclusion that it varies from day to day. Like that's the honest truth is that it's not a blanket answer of why I share on social media. Sometimes it's purely altruistic of like wanting to share this thing that I genuinely think will be helpful or add context to something or bring someone joy or make someone laugh or like it really is truly pure motivation, right? Of just wanting to share goodness in the world, (laughs) which I think frankly we need more of. And then yet sometimes there are moments where I'm like, I want everyone to see how rad my life is. Right. Like I, I think I said this in my Instagram posts, like I like the likes and there's, there's something to be said for desiring the affirmation and desiring this almost like approval that like, sometimes we want to be affirmed about our choices and affirmed about how we parent or how we live our life. And so we post on social media and people give you the like, or they give you the encouraging comment and you're like, ah, Yes, it was the right choice. I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path. Like you want the affirmation that you're doing good, right? Whether it's as a parent, as a wife, or just in general life that you're crushing it. <laughs> and so there was that piece. And then there's the the piece underneath, maybe less pretty, if I'm honest. I want to be, to use a phrase that is used by present company, I want to be the smartest person in the room, right? I want to show everyone that I'm the smartest one in the room. I want to have the witty one-liner. I want to show that I'm the one with the most information, that my point is the best, like whatever the case may be, right? That there's that like, not only do I want to be affirmed in my life choices, I want to be affirmed that everyone agrees with me, right? That I'm, I'm the smartest. And that's, that's less pretty. So it varies. It, It varies on the content. It varies on the medium. It varies on the day. It varies on where I am just in my own personal life and what is happening and what I'm desiring in that day. And so, yeah, those conversations with my kids prompted that kind of internal question. And it's been helpful as I've posted on social media since. Before I post, I actually ask myself the question that I didn't always ask myself before. What's my motivation? Why am I doing this? Not that it would necessarily always change my action, But it slows me down a little bit and forces me to ask, I think, an important question that maybe I don't want to say we should all be asking ourselves, but 
maybe some of us, it would be helpful. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but. It does. I still have a lot of thoughts. I don't want everybody on the internet to suddenly. Second guess themselves. Yeah, be second guessing because what you're going to, that's just going to end up, you're going to end up not doing it, not posting at all because you're going to get into a mind thing about, you don't want everyone, I don't want, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I I don't want everyone (laughs) to be like deeply thoughtful and meaningful before every post. I think that would make for a very boring internet. Like, I need a silly picture of people's kids. Yeah. It's funny I'm saying this because, you know, most of the time we're going to argue like we all need to be a little more thoughtful on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that pertains to the news and politics and whatever. But in terms of our kids and our families and our joys and our lives, Mm -hmm. like, I guess I want people to not be in a mind spin about it. I want people to be able to freely share, like, we're on this fun vacation or look at how rad my life is right now and not feel like that that's mm-hmm. the bad side of bragging. That it's, to me, mm-hmm. it's totally, like I love to cheer on a friend who's like, look at this amazing place where I am. Or like, I won an award, yay. Like you can mm-hmm. feel the difference between a person who is obnoxious about things and when people are just sort of sharing their joys and to mm-hmm. me, there has been a, a backlash to people sharing their joy a little bit. Like, mm. I I noticed it a lot over the holidays. But I, I noticed it the last, you know, for years now, this has been a thing. Maybe like on Mother's Day, this comes up again, or Father's Day. Like, it, a lot of times it's around a holiday where there will be like a big influx of posts of people being like, Maybe you're in pain right now and I see you. Maybe this isn't a joyous holiday for you and and it's okay if you're not happy around this time and that's so empathetic and and it started out when those first when those posts first sort of became a popular thing like really beautiful. Like I thought, "Oh, we're really acknowledging people where they are and that, you know, that sometimes holidays are hard or families are difficult or you know whatever." And I and really liked it, but as the years have gone on, and there's been like so much of this, mm-hmm. these empathy signaling posts, mm-hmm. it started to make me be like, well, can I not, should I not post about how awesome my mom is? Because it's going to make somebody feel bad that they grew up without a mom at all or with a bad mom or whatever. And so then I don't post about my mom. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying like I should be able to brag about anything I want to. That's not my argument here. I just think that Mm -hmm. there's like a weird backlash to to just like joyous posts. Even on like the, um, back to the family thing, people who post a lot of their families, if they never go deep, if they just are like, this is my beautiful family all the time. That's their entire feed is how beautiful their family is uh, in a beautiful city in beautiful clothes. I personally sometimes enjoy those accounts. Like I just think they're eye candy and I think that they're fun. But there's always the people who are like, ugh, think that that is vapid. And I know you're not going to please the tens of millions of people on the internet, but like, I do think this this thing of like, if you're not posting about social justice all the time, <laughs> or if you're not posting mm-hmm. a joyous, if you're not posting a joyous picture, and then giving a bunch of disclaimers about how mm-hmm. we're having a wonderful time, but I, it's okay if you're not. Here's my three disclaimers before I tell you about 
that I had a great time. Mm-hmm. I just, it gets like so complicated. And again, back to the very heart of what we were saying, it ends up to me that people who fall in the middle, which, you know, most of us fall in the middle of moderate thought, moderate, you know, lives, we just stop posting because mm-hmm. we're like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to be viewed as braggy. I don't want to, you know, I'm, or alternatively, if I'm the person who's going through a hard time, I don't want to bum everybody out by posting my hard time. Like we all get, we can get in our head about it. And I, I you know, I just, I, there's no conclusion here. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even have like a sum up for this, but it's just like, I watch it online and I watch people backpedal and I watch people slowly stop posting a certain genre of thing and they sort of pivot to posting only helpful posts, you know, mm-hmm. instead they, they stop posting about their family or they stop because they feel like, well, you know, the country is in a mess right now. So I can't post a thing about how happy I am because mm-hmm. somebody in my life is going to be like, it's going to seem so insensitive. Yes, right? it feels insensitive. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you said it nicer. And I'm like, and we all want to be sensitive. I hope the people who listen to the show are also want to be sensitive and also want to share their grief, if that's what's called for, their joy, if that's what's called for. But a lot of us are second guessing all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> to be ironic for a second, cave- I'm going to put a caveat in here. <laughs> Disclaimer. Having empathy is a really good thing, right? Like, I think we would all agree, like, man, I wish we would all be a little more empathetic on Facebook. Like, that'd be swell. So, like, I don't want to say empathy's not, like, bad. Of course it's not. It's fantastic. And I'm super thankful that there are people that are mindful and want to be inclusive in their social media posting. But the thing that I often go back to is, and I think that this is separate from the privacy wanting to pull back a little bit for quiet and privacy sake. This is kind of a sidebar a little bit, but like something I like to remind myself is that I can't be everything to everybody. I cannot control someone's response to my own life. And when people have taken issue with something that I said, or they get on me about how perfect my life seems to be and how everything is super magical in my winter wonderland mountain town. I always tell them like, man, the unfollow button is free. Like you do not have to fill your feed with things that make you feel bad, um, that make you angry, that make you feel less than, that make you second guess your own parenting decisions that like, I mean, the list could go on and on and on and on and on, right? Like, I think that as much as we want to be careful with what we post, I think we should be equally as careful about what we choose to input. Like what's, what are we following and based on where we are in our life, right? Like where I am in my life may not be where someone else is and they may take issue with something that I say or something that I do or how my life is shaping out. And that's okay. Don't follow me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm not your shot of whiskey. It's fine. And I think that we're we're struggling with that permission. We're struggling with trying to figure out what healthy input looks like and also what healthy output looks like on social media. And I do worry a little bit about, you know, people who have something really, really valuable to say and that would be really helpful 
are in some ways censoring themselves for the fear of not hitting all of the checkboxes on someone else's list, right? And making that person happy and hitting every mark. We're never going to hit every mark for every person. It is absolutely 100% impossible. Social media litmus tests are really crappy and we shouldn't institute them. And it is forcing people to withdraw, to step back because they're so fearful of saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Social media, I think, I mean, that's like another problem, I think, with that. I don't want to bash on social media this whole time because it is wonderful. But it used to be a place where you could make mistakes and you could say the wrong thing and have a pretty interesting dialogue about it and maybe get your mind changed. It is not really that anymore. Or it is moving away from it. I shouldn't say it's gone because there are still pockets of it and great folks who engage well. But yeah, it's becoming difficult. It's becoming more and more difficult to get it wrong and to learn and to engage well because of all the things that we've mentioned before. And so yeah, it, I mean, like I, like you said, there's no right or wrong answer. There's no clear path forward. I think we're all kind of trying to figure it out, but can't really figure it out unless you bring all of it out into the open and kind of lay out all the things on the table and go like, what are all of the messy aspects of social media and how we start to sort through it in a way that's healthy for me, healthy for my family, healthy for the people I'm in community with. And for those of us who make a living, right, on social media and sharing content, like, healthy for business, healthy for brand, whatever the case may be, because it, it has to be all encompassing. So it, it's super sticky and messy. And yeah, I don't know. It's no right or wrong answer, I don't think. So when I was thinking about your Vox later about Scout asking you all the why, 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 why? <laughs> I started thinking about it to myself. Why do I do this? There's so many layers at the most shallow mm-hmm layer it's just fun like I totally I I love it a good picture I think my kids are cute I like sharing it like you know it's not it's not deeper than that like it's just fun but then on the deeper layers of it it's hard to remember It, it really is hard for me to remember what life was like before social media I feel like the last 10 years, you know, I've, there's always been social media since I've had children and Mm -hmm. actually almost since I've been married. I remember when I got on Facebook and posted wedding pictures. And, and so my life before all of that, like my teenage life, my early twenties and all that, it's almost hard to remember how I lived in the world like how I moved through the world because it has become very common to me to move through the world with the lens of, uh, I don't always share everything, but I feel like I, my brain works in a way of like, how would I package this? Mm. Even for stuff I'm not, I know I'm not going to share. I do not share a lot of our personal life online for mm-hmm. privacy reasons and for nature of my husband's life and job. And like, there's a lot of things I don't share, but my brain has still been trained to like package it if that makes mm-hmm. sense of like, if I was going to share it, this, mm-hmm. is, this is what the caption would be. Maybe that's also a little bit of a byproduct of me being like a writer in my spirit, you know, so always sort of making a story, always sort of making a narrative. It's probably both of those things, but definitely social media plays into it. And so anyway, while I was thinking about my whys, I came to the conclusion, and I'm not going to label this as <laughs> pathetic, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not. I haven't said it yet. <laughs> I have a feeling I know where it's going, but continue. <laughs> I felt like I posed like to prove I was here. Yeah. Like it makes me feel more in the world mm. to be sharing it. Mm-hmm. And totally. that's not all social media's fault. Like when I studied abroad in Europe in college, I kept a meticulous scrapbook, which was like the mm-hmm. mental and emotional equivalent of saying like, I was here, this was that time. Well, now we're able to share it immediately with others. But like the thought process isn't really that different. And so some of us are just wired to be like, I need to constantly prove that I'm here. I talked about this in the journal episode, but I journal as several different ways. I I have lots of different journals and I have a different approach to all of them. But my main sort of journal that's a document of our family's life that no one's ever read so far as I know, I have dozens of them, but I write them as if for an audience. And I've done this, again, pre-social media. I did this when I was a teenager. I wrote as if it would be read. Mm -hmm. And so now that we have the internet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like proof that I was here. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm I'm not going to label that bad. I I don't feel that that's bad. And I don't, if if nobody ever posts or never gets on social media, that doesn't mean they weren't here. It's more Mm -hmm. just like, philosophically like a clinging to this earth a clinging Mm -hmm. to this existence you know and when I had this I've never thought about it like that until this week and I was like oh yeah this is my this is my proof I was here and Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't have I don't have anything else to say about it other than it was like sort of a a sobering thought Mm -hmm. and then I journaled about it I don't know. Mm. Like we all want to be seen. Mm-hmm. We all want to be acknowledged that we're here. We all want to be seen. We all want to be known. I think that's a deeper desire is to actually be known and not just known, but known and accepted for who we are and have our existence accepted for what it is. And social media plays into that desire altruistically, negatively, in all the ways. It can prey upon people's desire and exploit it. It can satisfy it in really meaningful ways. It's a both and it's not an either or. It's it's a phenomenal tool in that way. And as I watch people back away from social media, myself included, wanting to live a little bit more private life, I'm not naive, right? Like social media ain't going anywhere. Like, There are people who are moving completely off it, refusing to engage with it now and stepping away from it, which is fine, but it's only going to become more intensified and it's only going to become more intricately ingrained into our culture, right? Like even what you were saying about seeing different events and experiences through the lens of how it could be packaged. Like that sounds very advertising, but I understand what you mean when you say it. It's like, oh, what is... What's a really compelling way that I could share this really meaningful experience, right? And our brains have been trained that way, and there's no getting around it anymore. And I think that there's a naivete from folks who think that they're going to be able to escape it, like wholesale. A lot of people can definitely separate themselves from it, but it's going to become more and more a part of our culture. And so the question that 
I sit with as I move forward is how do I engage with it and use it as a tool in my own life and the life of my family in a way that's healthy and beneficial, both for myself, my family, and the people around me. And part of that for me is asking some of those introspective questions before I post. That's just me. I'm always kind of wanting to check my motivations just to be aware. I like the self-awareness piece. And I think it's just something that everybody is going to have to wrestle with and sift through in their own personal way and to learn how to not make excuses for it or apologies for it, right? Um, How it works for you is how it works for you. And you don't have to be sorry about that. And if you see every experience through the lens of social media and how to package it and make it meaningful for someone else, that can be a gift to somebody and you don't have to apologize for that. And so, yeah, I want all of us to, I guess, just own it, right? Own it. Own its role in our life in a way that is helpful and healthy, I guess. I don't know. I want people listening to this, you know, I'm. there's going to be everyone is going to bring their own stuff to this type of a conversation, listening to it, having it. And so, you know, we just scratched the surface of all the different ways that you can talk about this and think about this. And so, but what I really want people to do after listening to us sort of talk through it without any conclusions and we're sort of going in different directions on it, you're, (laughs) you're actually stepping away while I'm leaning so hard in. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it because it makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Like, I feel like after 10 years of being online, I'm only just now finding exactly how I want to be online. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've just discovered it in the last year, like making this show and not, it's not that my tone has changed. Like, I'm still me, but like, I'm just now discovering like, oh, this is how I want to share. This is how I want to engage. After all this time, I've, Like now I'm all in on it. And so I just like that we're able to talk through it. And I want people to be able to talk about it with their friends. Again, even if your accounts are locked down in private, to just have the conversation with a friend like, hey, do you share your kids online? Why or why not? Do you second guess what you post? Are you like trying to be overly sensitive to every single person that might see your post and that's stopping you? Or are you like not thinking about anybody at all when you post. And maybe that's not a great choice either. Like, I just want people to be able to talk about it and get real with their why. Why Mm -hmm. are they doing this? And I don't think it has to be, even if it's a vulnerable why of like, I just, I really like showing everybody how cute my kids are. Even if that's like your why, that does not have to be like ugly or negative or anything. No, no. And so Not I just, it, it just doesn't like it, whatever. And so I had this conversation with your girlfriends. If you have a great conversation with your friends, if you decide to bring this conversation to your own social media, please tag the show at 10 things to tell you so that I can make sure and see it. I want to see what you guys are thinking about what you're saying about this. I know there's a 1 million spots to land on this topic, but I love that we were able to just talk it through. Me too. Thank you so much. This is like, I don't know, this is it's it is such a popular topic. And I think that as it becomes, like I said, more layered into our culture and into our societies and our families and culture, like all 
communities, all that. It's only going to become a more prevalent conversation and figuring out how to do it well in a way that works for us. So like you said, man, we only scratched the surface. We didn't even get into politics. That's its own animal. (laughs) I I feel like I'm not going to be able to avoid that on the show in all of 2020 because like... I mean, Leave it to me, Laura. I, Leave it to me. I, I just – I cannot manage to be the band that plays on as the Titanic sings. But – okay. Thanks for being on, Nish. I loved having you on the show. Having me. Always a joy to talk to you, friend. just listen to the 10 things to tell you podcast you can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10 things to tell you.com slash podcast and you can follow us on facebook and instagram at 10 things to tell you remember this is an interactive podcast i have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell so take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.